After a bit of a break, we are getting back to our series on the book of Acts. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 7, and I'm going to read from Acts 7, 44 to 50, but really we're going to look at uh, all of Acts 7 up to verse 50. I'm just going to read the last part for the sake of brevity, but I would encourage you to have your Bibles open as we look at this chapter in general and see what God has to say for us. But uh, reading from verse 44, Our forefathers had the tabernacle of the testimony with them in the desert. It had been made as God directed Moses according to the patterns he had seen. Having received the tabernacle, our fathers under Joshua brought it with them. When they took the land from the nations, God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built the house for him. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by men. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? God, as we reflect upon this speech that Stephen gave uh, back in the time of the book of Acts, we pray that you would give us wisdom as we reflect upon his words and his thoughts, and we would understand what it means for us today as we seek to live out our faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Many years ago, I attended a revival meeting here in St. Catharines, not at this church, at another church here in St. Catharines. And even though that was a long time ago, it was probably about 20 years ago or so, actually it was over 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, and I remember something from that service. Now, you might think, wow, that's amazing. I don't remember uh, very much uh, about services from 25 years ago. Interestingly, it wasn't something from his sermon that I remember, but rather from his plea for the offering time that I remember. And maybe you'll understand why it stood in my mind when I explain it to you. So, as he was asking us to dig deep into our pockets to give at that revival meeting, he uh, explained to the congregation there that God was obligated, obligated to give each of us $100 for every $1 we put in the plate. So he, what he was promising is if we put $1 in that plate, God at some point would be giving us $100 in return. If we put $5 in, we'd be getting uh, $500. If we put $10 in, we'd be getting $1,000 back. It was a sure investment. All we had to do is put that money into that plate and God was obligated to give us money back. And I remember thinking, wow, that's pretty audacious to see God in such a way that uh, it's not that God was free to bless us in whatever way he would choose. Uh, it's not that he could just uh, um, use our money for his glory and for his kingdom, but rather that 
God was obligated to do that. And I'll tell you, I can get pretty judgmental when I think about that time and the uh, the expectations that were put on by that uh, revivalist. However, to be fair, as I reflect more deeply, I realize that I have put God in a box just as much as he did. That there are times where I have decided how God operates, that uh, God works in a certain way. Uh, there have been times that I've decided that uh, God is more at work in certain denominations than others, that uh, certain uh, spiritual experiences are valid, uh, other ones are, are not valid, and I have come up with all kinds of ideas that are not necessarily found in the scriptures, but just uh, my own personal convictions, and I expect God to fit to those expectations. And so I have put God in a box. And I'm so thankful that God keeps punching his way out of the box that I keep putting him in. As much as I try to put limitations on how God can act, uh, he always breaks out and he does something to remind me that he is bigger than what my imagination is like. And this is something that's important for us to be thinking about, especially in the days that we are in right now, in which we need to understand uh, who God is and how he operates, uh, especially as some of our expectations have been broken because of the circumstances we're in. So we're going to reflect upon the uh, experience of Stephen, and uh, we're going to seek to find some principles that apply to how we can understand God for today. Now, if you can remember way back before Advent, when we were having our series on Acts, we had gotten to the story of Stephen, and we found that he had been preaching Jesus, and he got in trouble. He uh, was um, confronted by the religious leaders, and they were very upset with him, and they were upset specifically about what they deemed he was saying uh, about the law and about the temple. And those two are two of the most important uh, foundations for Judaism, uh, how they understood the law and how they understood the temple. And because they felt that uh, basically Stephen was coloring outside of the lines when it came to those two things, that he was a danger and he was someone who needed to be stopped. So we're going to take a look at uh, this speech that he gave, which is basically his defense uh, in response to those accusations. And, and we haven't read the whole speech, but I would encourage you to, to read it. And we're going to take a look at uh, what he had to say here. Now, we said that the uh, first part of what they were upset about was what he was saying about the law. But what is the law? Well, we might think of the law as the Ten Commandments or uh, a list of other commands and rules that are found in the Old Testament. And that's part of what the law is. But another meaning of the law, or the Hebrew Torah, is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis to Deuteronomy. Those books are the Torah. They are the law. And so it's important for us to keep that in mind as we take a look at what Stephen says. And so when we look back on the speech, we see he begins with Abraham and God speaking to Abraham in Mesopotamia. And that's really important because he's not speaking to Abraham 
in what would become Israel uh, or Jerusalem or anything like that. He is speaking to Abraham in Mesopotamia, which would be modern-day Iraq. And so what we see here is God at work beyond where we would expect him to be at work. He is reaching out uh, to this place in Mesopotamia, to this particular family, and he speaks to Abraham, and he calls him to uh, move westward and to eventually come to what would become the promised land. And so that is showing us a God at work outside of where we would expect. And then it brings us to Joseph. And Joseph uh, is someone who finds himself in Egypt with the Hebrew people because of a famine. And what we find is uh, God uses Joseph in an amazing way. He becomes second in power and authority only to Pharaoh. He becomes basically in charge of the country, the country of Egypt, not what would become Israel, but Egypt. And so we see God at work first in Mesopotamia. Now he's at work in Egypt. But of course, as we may know from the story, that eventually the Hebrews lose their privilege and they end up becoming slaves of the Egyptians. And God raises up Moses. And Moses is a man who is born in Egypt. He's educated as an Egyptian. And he is used in Egypt. He's used by bringing the various plagues against Pharaoh, uh, leading the people through the, the Red Sea. And most of the action that's taking place there, the ways that God is working in Moses' life, is all taking place in Egypt. And then we get to... Mount Sinai, where the covenant is made with the people of Israel, and where the law is revealed to Moses. Now, Mount Sinai is not in Israel. It's not at all. And yet, all of these things so far have been happening outside of what we call the promised land, of what we call Israel, especially of the, the city of Jerusalem. God is at work in a wide range of ways. Now, eventually, uh, during, uh, well, through the time of, of Moses, uh, a tabernacle is built. And this tabernacle is meant to focus the worship of God. However, this tabernacle, which is kind of like a temple, but it's more of a tent, uh, it houses the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant and it is mobile. So where the people go, the tabernacle goes. And so they can move around and the presence of God moves around with them. But eventually, uh, David brings the tabernacle to Jerusalem and it sets there as its permanent place. And then his son Solomon builds the temple. And it is there now that uh, it is understood that God's presence isn't moving around. It's fixed in the place of Jerusalem. So what we see here is God at work in a wide range of places. He's moving around from Mesopotamia to, to Egypt to Mount Sinai and uh, traveling around in tabernacle. And now he's fixed. And now th there's nothing wrong with the temple. God ordained that the temple be built. And it was an important part of the worship. It was the place where sacrifices were to be made. But where the problem was, is it also brought a limitation on the people's understanding of how God operated. 
Instead of seeing him at work in the wide open, now they saw his presence as being limited to the temple precincts. In fact, they could divide up the temple according to how much of God's presence was there. And certain people were allowed to go so far, some more people were allowed to go a little bit closer, and then the the holiest would be able to get closest to God. But God was still bigger than that temple. And that's what Stephen is trying to get across, that uh, God is uh, not limited to the temple. In fact, he goes to the uh, the prophet Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah, uh, speaking the words of God, said, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. And so, speaking through Isaiah, God is saying that he's not limited to that temple. He is so much bigger. He fills the entire universe. And this is a reminder that we need to allow God to uh, expand beyond the limitations that we put upon him. He is far bigger than that. So what has happened here is that Stephen has explained that God is bigger than the temple. He's bigger than that uh, physical box that they have put him in. And this is a pretty uh, convenient message for us in the time that we're in right now. Because uh, on the day that... uh, we're having this service, we are in a lockdown and we are not having physical services, in-person services in our church building. And that is going to be a struggle for some people. They might identify God's presence as being in that building. How can you meet God if you don't go to God's house? How can it be the same for us to be watching it on the internet, to be home with our families, uh, sitting around in our pajamas, That's not church. That's not worship. We need to be in the building where God is. In fact, there are some churches right now that feel so strongly about that that they are disobeying the government guidelines for what is expected. And not only are they risking uh, uh, spreading COVID-19, they are willing to risk um, fines from the government and, and potentially other consequences as well, because they feel that church needs to be in the church building, and that's where God is, and that's where God's presence is, and God's people need to gather where God is. However, I uh, have a a different view of that. First of all, I really uh, think that we need to take into account the government's guidelines and what the, the health professionals are saying, And we need to do our bit to help slow the spread of COVID-19. So I really believe that. I also care about the people in the congregation. And I don't want to see people get sick. I don't want people to die from COVID-19. I don't want them to spread it to their families. Uh, It's something that we take very seriously. And I've shared all of these thoughts before. Nothing is new there. But there is another aspect of why I think it is important for us to think outside of the church building. Because like my namesake, Stephen, I believe that God is bigger than this church building. He is not limited to these four walls. He can do anything he wants, anywhere he wants, through anyone he wants. And so even in the midst of COVID-19, even when our church building is closed, God is at work. 
God is at work in our families. He's at work in our neighborhoods, in our community. Uh, yes, God's at work on the internet, and he is doing amazing things. He is not sitting up in heaven thinking, oh no, what am I going to do? The church building is closed. Uh, now I, am, uh, I have my hands tied. He's not feeling that at all. He is so much bigger than our church building and of all the church buildings. And we need to realize that uh, God can do amazing things. And we have to l really, literally let him out of the box. But it's not just the, the physical box of the church. Sometimes we put God in other boxes. And so once COVID-19 is long gone, once lockdowns are a thing of the past, we're still going to struggle with putting God in a box. Some people think that God is limited to certain styles of music, that God can only use that. So they might think uh, it's only hymns that God can use, or they might think it's only the new music that God can use. There are certain people who think God can only speak through certain translations of the Bible. There are people who think that God only works in certain people. Uh, maybe that you have to have a reverend in front of your name, or you have to have attended Bible college or seminary, or something like that, that there are only certain kinds of people that God works through. Those are just some of the boxes that we try to put God into. And you know what? God does not want to be in that box. Uh, he won't be in that box. God will use whatever he wants to use. He is so much bigger than the limitations that we try to put on him. Uh, we put those limitations on him because we want a God that we can control. We want a God that we can understand. We want a God that we can hold into our, hold in our hands, but God is bigger than that. He is the God who fills the universe, and he is working in some amazing ways. We need to let God out of the box. 2,000 years ago, Stephen got in trouble. He really got in trouble. He was telling the people through their own law, that God was bigger than the limitations that they had put upon him. They rightfully valued the temple in Jerusalem. That was an important building. It was an important thing. God commanded them to build that temple. And it was used in mighty ways. There was nothing wrong with the temple, except for the fact that they expected God only to work in that temple. Whereas when we look back at the history of, of salvation throughout scripture. God had been working outside there. He had been working in Mesopotamia. He had been working in Egypt. He had been working in Mount Sinai. And yes, he had been working in Israel and Jerusalem as well. But he could work wherever he wanted, in whatever way he wanted. He wasn't going to take any limitations. What if COVID-19 was seen as a blessing and not a curse. Now, don't get me wrong. There's been a lot of suffering that has happened with COVID-19. People have died. People have suffered. And I don't want to say that this has uh, been a good thing for us to have this. But what if God is using COVID-19 to teach us a lesson? What if God is using COVID-19 to get us, to force us, to let him out of the box? As uncomfortable as it is for us to close the church buildings, because I'll tell you what I want. I want the church building to be open. I want the pews to be filled, people sitting shoulder to shoulder, masks off, singing out our favorite hymns. And of course, 
ending the service with a potluck. That's what I want. But God is not so worried about what our wants are, what makes us un- what makes us comfortable, or what our expectations might be. He will work in whatever way he wants to work. And right now, we're being forced to think outside the box, to do things in new ways, to free up God, to work in ways that may surprise us. And so, yes, COVID-19 is terrible, but maybe this is the year that releases the church to fresh forms of worship and discipleship and ministry and outreach, where we get beyond our church building, where we get beyond our other expectations, and we're able to serve God in new ways. We serve a big God, a great big God, bigger than this building and bigger than the limitations that we try to put him in. Let us give thanks to our great big God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the ways that you have worked throughout the scriptures. From the very beginning to the present, you have operated in ways that surprise people and sometimes make them uncomfortable. God, we thank you for the message that you gave through Stephen and how that reminds us today that you are bigger than our building and you're bigger than our expectations. We pray that you would help us to release uh, the ideas that we have, the preconceptions that we have, that we would let you out of the box that we have tried to put you in, and that we would rejoice in the ways that you are at work in our world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.